I want to talk this afternoon about trust. Trusting God. And I, I want to open up by maybe talking about some, talking about trust in a way that we probably don't think of it so much. Do you know that we entrust our future um, to people? Think about maybe some of those of you, you have your financial advisors or your stockbrokers. You, you're entrusting your finances to people. You're trusting that, that they know what they're doing and that they're not going to lose all your money. Or think of how we entrust our health, the future of our health, to our doctors. I guarantee you that nobody in this room knows how the medication that you're given works inside your body. You don't know the chemical makeup. You don't know how the compounds work together. But your doctor gave you the medication. So you're trusting that your doctor knew what he or she was doing. That not only that they gave you the right medication, but that they gave you the right dosage. Right? So we entrust our future to people. But not only do we entrust our future to people, but we entrust our lives to strangers every day. Think about it. Think about driving down the road, going 50 miles an hour, and the stoplight turns yellow. What do you do? Well, here in New York City, y'all speed up, but we're gonna, we're gonna, you're supposed to slow down, right? So what do you do? Your foot goes for the brake. But you're not, thinking, uh, you're not thinking in that moment, man, I hope the mechanic installed my brake pads right, got, got the rotor put on nice and tight. You're not thinking about that. But you're entrusting your life in that moment to your mechanic, that they did a proper job in their work. Or think about every time you get on an airplane. How many, any, anyone afraid of flying here? So maybe you don't trust, but the rest of us, you never see the pilot, but you're trusting that the airplane's not just going to fall out of the sky. You never see air traffic control, but you're trusting that they're doing their job in a way so that your airplane's not going to collide with another airplane. You never see the person responsible for putting the fuel in the airplane, but you're trusting that you're not going to run out of fuel in the middle of being over the Atlantic Ocean. You're putting your trust in people that you don't see every day without realizing it. Or, or what about this one? Think about this. Think of every time you enter a building, every time that you come in, into Times Square Church here, you're trusting that the structural engineer or that the contractor that put this place together knew what they were doing and that the roof isn't just going to come and collapse on top of your head. You're, you're, you're praying that they, that they passed geometry in high school that they know how to read a blueprint, right? All that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know if any of you are like me, but I'm a little bit weird sometimes. Sometimes I'll walk into a building like this. I want everyone to look at, the, if you can see the big chandelier above here. I'll walk in and I'll be the kind of person that sits underneath it and thinks, man, I hope that they really fastened that thing up there. <laughs> or these speakers off to the side here. That the, that the cables and the chains that are holding, holding them up, you're just hoping that, man, that they're rated to hold that weight over time, or else some of us are going to have problems, right? And so every day, little things like this that we're not thinking about, but we're entrusting our lives to people every day. 
every day. Now I want to switch gears for a second, and I want, to, want you to imagine with me a person that is all-powerful. Whew. Amen. A person that's all-powerful. No situation or circumstances out of his control. There's no such thing as a freak accident or an emergency that catches him by surprise. He doesn't make mistakes. Unlike when we're trusting other people that we don't know with our lives every day, you know, people can make mistakes. This person doesn't make mistakes. All powerful. All right. Now imagine that not only is this person all powerful, but this person is also all knowing. Can you imagine having a friend that could tell you the future? We'd like, we'd want to hang around with that kind of friend, right? This person knows everything that's going to happen in your life. Man, I can't tell you how many people are just afraid of the future. Afraid of their relationships, who they're going to end up with. Afraid of their, their job and, and whether they're going to um, get the kind of job that they want. Afraid of just the, the things that are going on around us in this world. People are afraid of the future. Imagine this person knows your future. Okay, now let's take it a step further. Imagine not only does this person know your future, but this person knows you. He knows your heart. He knows you better than you even know yourself. This person knows your thoughts, your insecurities, your biggest fears, your greatest joys. He's aware and familiar with all your pain and hurt. Okay, so not only is this, this person all-powerful, not only is this person all-knowing, knows your future, knows you, but now imagine with me that this person has an unconditional love for you. Says that his thoughts towards you are good. That he has thoughts to prosper you. Promises that when everything else seems to be forsaking you in your life, he's going to be that one thing that stays. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Desires to, to be there and to guide you in your life. Gives you something to live for. Gives you a purpose. Wants a personal relationship with you. And would even lay down his life for you. Can you imagine if a person like that existed? Don't you wish that someone like that existed? Well, I've got good news He's not a person, but we have Jehovah God who has everything that I just described. Amen? Now, I say all that to say this. I want to ask you a question. Why is a God like that so hard to trust? The God that I described, why is a God like that so hard to trust? Why is it so hard for me to wholeheartedly give myself to him. Not just in the way that I trust, but in the way that I love him and in the way that I live for him. And it brings us to this reality. How many of you know that despite what we know about God or, or despite what we say we know about God, sometimes it's still hard to trust him. Anybody been there? I know I've been there several times in my life and I'm just like, God, why can't I trust you in this situation? Right? But despite what we know or what we say we know about God, it can be hard to trust him. And so how can we as Christians go from a place 
of saying that we trust God. In other words, from a place of this is what our Bible says and this is, this is our doctrinal statement, this is what we say, but go from a place of saying that we trust in God to a place of living in trust. How do we do that? I want to give us four things from Scripture that can help us to grow in trust. Because Have you ever had someone tell you, um, it, when you're going through a situation, you're, you're just having a hard time uh, in, in life, whatever it may be. You ever had someone tell you, you just got to trust God. And you're like, oh, well, thank you for that incredible insight into my life. That's so helpful, right? You just got to trust God. Do I just close my eyes and clench my fists and just try to trust God? Like, how, tell me how to do it. Give me something I can hold on to. Give me something tangible. How can I trust God? And so that's what I want to maybe help us with here this morning is what are some things that we can do to grow in our trust with God according to scripture? And this is such an important aspect of our life because when we're trusting God, when we're living in trust, we're living in peace. There's a deep-rooted peace that takes a, a grip of our heart that no matter what, ed, what is going on all around us, that peace can't be shaken because that trust can't be shaken. Amen? So trust is so important. So what are some things? How can we grow in our trust as Christians? If you have your, your um, pens and papers, I want you to write these down. I have four points that I want to share with you this afternoon. And number one, it's simple, but you just know him. Psalm 9 verse 10, it says this. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. In other words, what the psalm is saying is that to know God is to trust God. To know God is to trust God. Now notice I didn't say to know about God. I said to know God is to trust God. So the word know in this psalm, it means to be familiar with through experience. All right, so it's not just talking about you know something in your mind. It's talking about a relationship that's been built with Christ. Let me, let me just give you a little illustration about the difference between knowing about God and knowing God, okay? There was um, a pastor one time. He was preaching on Psalm 23. And as, at the end of his sermon, he challenged the congregation and said, if anyone thinks that they can come up on stage and recite Psalm 23 from memory, I want to give you that opportunity. So a little 10-year-old boy, he got up and he walked up to the stage and he starts quoting Psalm 23 and he's getting it word for word from his memory. And as, as he's speaking Psalm 23 from, me from memory, you know, the, the congregation is smiling, his parents are there taking pictures of him on stage. He gets done and everyone just erupts in clapter and clapping for him because he re recited from memory Psalm 23. So the pastor gets back up and he says, is there anybody else who wants to try? And this old woman comes up. And she gets up there and she started saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And she's speaking with, with such conviction and she's speaking with such passion as she's talking about God walking, through, walking with her through the valley of the shadow of death. And she's talking with such conviction is she's rehearsing how God has prepared a table for her in the presence of her enemies. And she's so passionate as she's reciting from memory Psalm 23. And the reaction from the congregation this time was different. People started crying. 
as she's going through this. And she gets done, and people are, are, are in tears all over the congregation when, when she got done speaking. Now here's the thing. They both recited Psalm 23 from memory, word for word. But the reaction was totally different, and this is why. It's because the boy knew Psalm 23. The woman knew the shepherd in Psalm 23. And so that's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Listen, if we get to know God for who he is and for who he says he is, if, 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 if God is really who he says he is, listen, we're naturally going to start trusting him as we're growing in our walk and in our relationship with God. We're, our, our hearts are naturally going to be drawn towards him. We're going to naturally start trusting him, which means this. It means that our striving point is not, God, I need to trust you more. Our striving point is just to get to know him. Our, our striving point is just, I, I'm going to have a relationship. I mean, think about our human relationships. You know, whenever I first started dating my fiance, at no point in our relationship did I say, Karis, just help me trust you. Or how can I trust you more? It wasn't even a thought on my mind. I'm just getting to know her. I'm just building a relationship with her. And the more I got to know her, the more I began to share my heart with her. And then I, I begin to hear her heart. And as our relationship is growing, there's this natural trust that's being built. And it's the same thing with God. Listen, when we pursue a relationship with God, our tr there's going to be a trust that is naturally built up inside of our hearts. So you might be saying, so how do I pursue a relationship with God? You know, if, if getting to know him is the answer, then how do I do that? I'm going to give you the three cliche answers, but just because they're cliche doesn't mean that they're not true. You have the, the church, you have the body of Christ, where you, where you can be involved in a community, you have the word of God that you can be reading, and you have prayer. But, but maybe instead of always talking in prayer, maybe just take time to listen. Maybe instead of treating the word of God, and I'm, I'm speaking from experience when I say this, instead of treating the word of God like it's a chore or something that we got to you know, check off our day, of got that done, maybe take time and just linger in the presence of God. Just be willing to sit and wait and open your heart to what God wants to be speaking to you through his word. Maybe there's people here saying, well, I've done that. I feel like I've, I've been praying, I've been reading my Bible, I've been going to church, and I'm just not seeing this change in my life. I'm just not seeing um, a trust develop or, or different change in my life. All I can say to that is just be patient. Be patient. We all have different starting points. God's timeline for me is not going to be the same timeline for you. Our journeys and our paces, they're going to look different. Don't get discouraged. But listen, if, if prayer changes things, and if the word of God is living, something has to happen. You get that? Something has to happen. Don't give up. Pursue God in relationship through his word. Pursue through prayer. Pursue through to coming to services. And listen, don't give up. Get to know God. Amen? Number two is this. Acknowledge him. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. This is probably one of the most quoted verses of all time. I'm sure 
Many people in this room have memorized it, yet it's probably one of the least lived, if you really think about it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Now, the point I want to bring across here, it's really similar to the first one, but I want to bring it out in a different way, okay? Because the word acknowledge here, it means to know, but it also contains this idea of being aware of, okay? So our relationship with Christ is much deeper than our planned moments spent with him. And this is what I mean by that, is that our relationship building doesn't get put on pause when we step outside of the prayer closet. My relationship building with Christ doesn't get put on pause once I stop reading my Bible or once I exit this sanctuary and and go back out onto the streets of New York. No, there's, there's this sense of I'm constantly aware of God in my life. I'm acknowledging God in all of my ways. That means our life is meant to be saturated by the Holy Spirit. Our life is meant to be saturated by the Holy Spirit and we're constantly having open ears to his leading and to his speaking in our life. I'm constantly aware of God. Do we recognize the voice of God outside of our prayer closet? Because here it says we're, we're to acknowledge him in all our ways. Constantly aware of him. Now that's not to say that we need to be super spiritual about it. I've known some people that they might say, Lord, do I go to McDonald's or to Burger King for lunch today? God, I really need you to answer because I'm getting really hungry. McDonald's or Burger King? Right, let me just help those kind of people out. Neither, because they're both nasty. Go to Five Guys and get yourself a real burger. <laughs> right, so it's, we're not complicating things. We don't have to super spiritualize it. We're just saying, God, I, I, I'm always going to be aware of you in my life. I'm always going to be aware of what you may be saying or what, where you may be leading in my life. But let me show you how we often treat this verse. All right, let me read this verse from you from the RLV. All right, the RLV, it, it's the real life version. Okay, this is what the real life version says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In your times of crisis, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You ever notice that crisis has a way of bringing back an awareness of God in our life? Especially of our need of him? And it's not that God, our, our need of God fluctuates or changes. It's just that in those moments, we're made aware of a need that we've had all along. But that's, it's so easy to live, live life that way is, We're not really acknowledging God or thinking about God in our daily life and interactions. But as soon as there's a crisis that hits us, now we're really aware of it. And what this is saying is it's saying that part of living in trust is just constantly being aware of him in your life. It's It's not just the moments of crisis. But we're always aware of God in our in our lives. Amen. So we know God, get to know God. We acknowledge him. And then third is this, recognize your limitations. The other part of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, do not lean on your own understanding. Now, if there's any part of this verse that I get, like I get that part, all right? How many of you are just thinkers? 
You just, your mind is always going 100 miles an hour, right? That's me. I'm always thinking of what is, what could be, what could be from the what could be. You know, it just keeps going. You're always thinking. Your mind's always trying to figure things out. I I can remember before I went to Bible school and, and got involved in ministry, I did a lot of roofing. And whenever I was working on the edge of the roof, I would always look down and try to imagine where I would want to land if I started falling. <laughs> I'm just trying to be prepared, right? And so I would even look like, is there a tree close by that if I start falling, I can jump to it and maybe grab a branch to kind of damper my fall a little bit. So like I'm always, I, that, that's just how my mind works. So if you think like I do, you know the battle of always trying to reason things out. You know the battle of, of always trying to make sense of things. Now, there's nothing wrong with reason, and there's nothing wrong with logic. There's not, nothing wrong with wanting answers, but here's the danger in it. Get this, is that sometimes we trust God, but only in the things that we can make sense of. Our own understanding. I trust God, but only in the things that I can make sense of in my mind, only the things that I can reason out. Let me give you an example of this. You know, sometimes when we face our heartbreaking circumstances, we'll quote scriptures like, um, all things work together for good for those that love God, right? And and we're holding on to that promise, but then we'll, we'll try and label what that good outcome might be because we're just trying to make sense of the tragedy in our life. So for example, um, think of the, the recent hurricane that hit Panama city. Thousands of people lost their homes. Now, the thought process could go something like, okay, maybe God destroyed my house so that he could give me a a better one, a a newer one. You know, I I was having problems with my old house anyways. Maybe the good that's going to come out of this is is that God's going to give me a better house. But then here we are several months later, and there's still thousands of people living in tents in Panama City. And you can imagine that the reasoning, it it doesn't make sense still. In that circumstance. Or what about maybe some of us in this room, we've recently had a family or member or a friend that died. And we're just, we're trying to make sense of the tragedy and saying, well, maybe, maybe God's going to save this family member that we've been praying for for so long through this situation. But as time goes on, it seems like their heart is getting harder and, and, and they're getting further away from God than then closer, and you're starting to think, man, I thought that God was going to use this situation in this way, and it's not happening. It's not making sense to you. Or maybe you've recently lost a job, and, and you thought, well, maybe God just wants to give me a better job. But as the years go on, you're still stuck work, working that minimum wage job because you can't find anything else, and, and you're thinking, man, I have a family to, to provide for, and you're getting all stressed out because the good that you thought might come out of it didn't happen trying to make sense of things, trying to reason things out, trying to understand how God might be working in this situation. And you get to a point where you realize, man, life is filled with more questions than it is answers. We're never gonna figure everything out. But here's here's the thing, that's okay. We don't have to. Don't put that stress on yourself. Maybe God isn't looking to be explained away in your circumstances. Maybe he's not waiting for you to figure everything out. Maybe he just wants to be invited in. 
Maybe he just wants to be invited into your pain, to your loss. Maybe he just wants to be invited into your discouragement, your depression, your heartache, whatever it is. Maybe he's just saying, hey, just allow me to sit with you through this. Don't try to figure everything out. Just invite me to sit with you in this. You know, this trust that's talked about in Proverbs 3, it goes deeper than what we can make sense of. It's a trust that says, God, I'm not seeing the good come out of this situation. Things don't be seeming to get better. Things aren't making sense, but I know that you love me. And I'm going to choose to trust you in spite of it not making sense in my life. I can't figure everything out. I just want to invite you into my situation. Amen. We don't have to figure everything out. It says, do not lean on your own understanding. Just invite them into your situation. And then point four is this. Give him control. Psalm 20, verse seven, it says, um, King David wrote this. He said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now, chariots and horses may not make a lot of sense to us today because we don't use them. But back in King David's time, chariots and horses, like they were the elite weapon for war. If you had chariots and horses, you were a dominant force in war. It's kind of like having nuclear power today. If you have nuclear power in our day, you're, you're controlling the, the world scene on the war level, right? And so that's what chariots and horses were. There was, there was a sense of this is the dominating force for war back in David's day. And David, he's not saying that horses and chariots were a bad thing. That's not what he said. And in fact, King David probably used chariots and horses himself. They were a good thing to have. But this is what he's saying. He's saying that, get this, our ultimate trust is not to be placed in good. It's to be placed in God. There's a lot of good things in our life. But our ultimate trust is not to be placed in good. It's to be placed in in God. And I think that it's so much easier for us to trust in horses and chariots, or it's so much easier for us to trust in the good things in our life sometimes because we like to be able to control our life, right? We like to have control in our life. There's this sense of, of ease. If, if, I can, if I can control it, I feel a little bit better. I mean, think of if, if you're David in the battle and you have a horse in your chariot, you can control that horse in the chariot with the reins wherever you want. But if you're trusting God, it's kind of like, oh, man, I hope he comes through. I can't control that situation, right? We like to have control. So what are some, let me give you some examples of that. What are some good things in our life that if we're not careful, we can find ourselves placing our trust in those good things over our trust in God? What about an education or a career? Having an education is a good thing, Right? Pursuing a career is a good thing. Having a good paying salary is a good thing. Nothing wrong with those things. And, and they do bring a degree of certainty and, and protection and peace in our lives, but they're not ultimate. In other words, they can be taken away at any moment. Right? So what are signs that maybe you're trusting a good thing over God in those areas? In your education, are you being dishonest on your tests? Because you have to graduate to get that job to make that money. Or in your career, are you compromising values to co climb the corporate ladder? 
Because you have a family to feed. You have a mortgage to pay. You have student loans to pay off. Or what about relationships? If you think of relationships, those are a good thing, right? You you have your friend relationships. You have romantic relationships. All incredible things. But what are some signs that maybe you're placing your trust and security in your horizontal relationships versus the vertical relationship that you should be trusting in? What are some signs? What about ignoring convictions so that you'll fit in with your friend crowd? Or what about this one? What about dating an unbeliever as a Christian? Because, hey, I've been in the church for the past 10 years and God ain't brought me nobody. He hasn't brought that man or that woman into my life, so I need to help God out a little bit and I need to go out into the world and find someone for myself. I'm a good evangelist, so I'm gonna get them saved. Right? And we start trying to take control of our things. Or maybe... It's staying put in a relationship that you know isn't healthy and that you need to get out of, but you're just so afraid of, of, man, I can't deal with the heartbreak and the pain of, of a failed relationship again. And so you stay put where you know that you shouldn't be. Or maybe it's even the, the opposite and you can't develop any good and healthy relationships because you can't let people get close to you. You've been hurt too many times before. The people that you trusted with... and trusted the most, the people that were closest to you, the the ones that should have protected you are the ones that have done the greatest hurt and damage in your life. And so you, you take that kind of relationship into your relationship with God and you're like, I can't even trust God. What if God fails me like everyone else did? I gotta look out for me, myself, and I. I gotta control my own destiny. I can't let anybody get close to me, not even God. And we try to control things. Listen, you're never gonna find the peace that you're looking for in life if you insist on maintaining total control. But oh, there's this deep-rooted peace that comes into our hearts when we're able to release control to God and say, God, I just trust you with my life. Whatever area it may be, whether it's my relationships, whether it's my future, whether it's my career or my education, I'm not gonna compromise convictions or ignore values I'm going to trust that God can work through those situations. That if I choose to have um, integrity in the workplace and I lose my job, that God's going to take care of me in spite of that. So we get to know God. We acknowledge him. We recognize our limitations and we give him control. And I want to conclude with this passage This is a passage in Daniel chapter three that um, whenever I was reading, I just felt, man, this is is what I want my life to be like in terms of trusting God. In Daniel chapter three, you have three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were taken out of their homeland. They were captured from their homeland and they were taken captive into a pagan country. All right, and this pagan king in this country made this law that he's going to create this golden idol and everyone has to bow down to this golden idol. And there was this moment where, he, where he's saying, as, as soon as the music starts playing, everyone has to bow down. Okay, so imagine with me, you have a sea of people, thousands of people, and the music starts playing and everyone falls to their knees except three men who chose 
to trust God regardless of what it meant for their life. And so they stood in, in the midst of that. And then it gets reported to King Nebuchadnezzar saying, listen, there's these three guys that, that didn't listen to your decree. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he calls them to himself and he's mad at them and he's saying, you know, who's the God that can deliver you out of my hand? He starts threatening them. He's saying, listen, I'm gonna give you another chance if, if you bow down and worship this image that I've set up very well for you. But if you don't, I'm gonna throw you into this burning, fiery furnace. Now listen to this. Listen to the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says in 3 verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Listen, that, listen what, if, what if our approach to life was, but even if, even if I don't get all the answers in life, I'm gonna choose to trust God. Even if all the whys of life don't make sense to me, I'm gonna choose to trust God. Even if I don't see the plan of God, the way I thought unfolding in my life and, and the good coming out of it, I'm gonna choose to trust God. Even if it means I have to sacrifice something, I'm gonna trust God. I'm not gonna give in to this voice of fear. I'm not gonna give in to this voice of discouragement. I'm not gonna give in to the voice of failure or oppression or the threats or the battles of the mind. I'm not gonna give in to any of that. But as Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. What if that was our approach to life? But even if, whatever circumstance, whatever situation, I'm gonna to choose to trust God instead, amen? Amen. If I could get everyone to stand with me, and if I could get the worship team to come back, this is the altar call that I have on my heart. What are the things that are threatening your trust in God right now? What are the circumstances or situations or people or mind battles, whatever it is, that's threatening your trust in God right now. We're gonna open up the altars and, and this is what I want to be on our hearts this afternoon is, God, you see everything that I'm going through. You see all the circumstances and all the situations, but even if, whatever it is, I'm gonna trust you. Even if I've, I've made plans for my life and I, I'm just seeing it fall apart. I'm gonna trust that you're guiding my future. Even if my future seems uncertain, I'm gonna trust that you're in control. Even if I'm still dealing with pain and hurt and rejection in my life, I'm gonna open up my heart to you and choose to trust you. Even if I've failed in certain areas of my life and I, I feel like I've ruined your calling in my life, I'm going to recognize that the grace of God is greater than all my failures and I'm going to choose to trust in the finished work of the cross. Amen? Listen, if that's you and, and you just need to lay your, your problems at the altar, you need to just come and say, even if this is the case, I'm going to choose to trust God. The altars are open now. I invite you to come down. And I also want to speak maybe to those who've never given their life to Christ. 
Maybe you say, I, I recognize that I've tried to control things in my life. I've built foundations of trust on things that are shaking in relationships and, and things that are movable. And I need to be anchored on something that's never going to move, that's never going to be shaken. If you've never given your, your life to Christ, I encourage you to come down. And I don't need to pray a prayer for you. Just pray your heart to God. Tell God that you want to, that, that you trust him, that you give your life to him, that you, you want to yield control into his hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody here this afternoon. God, I thank you for everybody here at the altar. Lord, each one of us are going through different things in life. We're, we're all in different seasons. God, and I pray that whatever the voices that are challenging our trust in you are, God, whatever the, the lies of the enemy that are roaring inside of our hearts and inside, of, inside our minds, God, I pray that you would silence that and that the still small voice of God would say, just invite me in. Just sit with me. Allow me to, to minister to you. Allow me just to be with you. Don't try to figure things out. Don't put that stress on yourself. Just sit with me. Just trust me. God, and I pray that as, as we lay these things before your feet, God, that there would be just a supernatural peace that overwhelms our heart. God, that peace that surpasses all understanding. God, I pray that that peace would be released now in the name of Jesus and begin to minister to the hearts of those who've just been having war inside of them. Maybe it's been for a few days. Maybe it's been for a few weeks. Maybe it's been for several years. God, I pray that we could come and that we could rest in trust in you. Thank you, Jesus.